It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. Chances are, if you've visited a casino, played in a casino, and either lost or won at a casino, you would know the name Paulson Gaming Supplies. The company's name became synonymous with casino chips and dice through its founder, Paul S. Endy Jr. My guest is Eric P. Endy, Paul's son, who is the author of Paul S. Endy Jr., Las Vegas Casino Gaming Legend. The book is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all the usual places. For everything about Indy, go to legendnd.vegas. And Eric will be also at the Casino Collectibles Association's 30th Annual Casino Chip and Collectibles Show at the South Point, June 15th through the 17th, to share his stories of the company, casino customers, and historical gaming figures. For more information about the show, go to ccgtcc.com. Try to remember that. ccgtcc.com. And Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you. Why did you decide to write this book about your father? Well, Ira, it was during COVID, and I was bored out of my mind like <laughs> everybody else was, with nothing else to do. And I started to think about the fact that my father never really got the recognition he deserved. Even though I, I got him inducted into the Gaming Hall of Fame with Michael Rose and with the El Dorado owner at the time, Glenn Carano. I didn't feel like my father got the recognition for the great company he started that I eventually took public. And I felt like he needed the recognition in the history books for his life story and the history of Las Vegas. So I decided to write a book about him, which is as much about the history of Las Vegas from 1931, from the first casino ever built called the Red Rooster, which is where the Mirage is now, all the way to the governor shut the strip down, with the exception of when John F. Kennedy was assassinated in 1963, a portion of the strip was shut down. Then the governor shut the strip down during COVID with everything that happened in my father's life, his, his history told through the casino chips, the, the Paulson casino chips that we made. I should point out that Paulson, the company name is spelled P-A-U-L hyphen S-O-N. So it obviously tied in with the family. You have a book handy. You want to show it for a second to our YouTube sure. viewers? Appreciate that. Absolutely. Uh, I've got his, his uh, chip on the front, which I also made chips commemorating the book along with him up above the strip, as it is today. And the name of the book is Paul S. Indy Jr., Las Vegas Casino Gaming Legend. The interesting thing, you know, you brought up the name Paulson. A lot of people thought it was because the family business, but it wasn't. It was actually because he worked for his father, just like my father asked me to come to work for him. His father asked him to come to work for him at a company that actually started the official gaming chip of the casino business called TR King Company in Los Angeles. So 
the name Paulson, my dad did to memorialize his father and the fact that he had worked for him. Just like I said, I, I had worked, my father had asked me to work for him. It's all in the family. It's interesting that this all started in Los Angeles. Most people think it started in Las Vegas, but clearly, as you indicated, it started in Los Angeles. And he, I believe, he, was he born in Monterey Park? My father was, uh, I was born in Monterey Park. My father's actually born in uh, Pennsylvania and then moved, they moved to California when my father, the family moved to California, Los Angeles. My, my grandfather had started the chip business and my dad worked for a big commercial company. But it was when my grandfather asked my father to work for him that's kind of a whole interesting story in itself because my father enjoyed working for his father and they were very close and had a brother in the business too, Charles Endy. And they all worked, you know, as a family business at the time until my my grandfather decided to retire and sold his business to a different individual who uh, I, I portray in the book as kind of a snidely whiplash guy, kind of guy <laughs> who, who wanted and was into making crooked cards and marked dice for the magic industry. And so my father was selling to the Nevada, Nevada casinos at the time, you know, Cal Neva, all the old casinos up in Reno, Lake Tahoe, everywhere. And the gaming commission warned my father that if he, they didn't stop making these, you know, bad, what they call magical dice and, you know, mark cards, that they were going to yank his ability to do business. And he actually quit and got in his car and was on his way to work on a ranch in Utah. That was in 1963. Stopped in Las Vegas, bought a bankrupt dice company, borrowed 3000 from his father and lived in a trailer and took a shower with a hose and started <laughs> what was originally Paulson Dice. That's kind of what the history books know about Paulson. The original name was Paulson Dice because the original brand and the original manufacturing was dice. They eventually moved into chips from my grandfather's formula. But that's kind of how he started. When you started writing the book, how much extra research did you have to do? You obviously knew the family history, but did you go do other resources to get background on your dad and his dad, which is your granddad, and additional information about the company? You know, I had most of it in, in my possession. I had some book that my, my grandfather started a company called T.R. King because of Teddy Roosevelt, President Teddy Roosevelt. And Teddy Roosevelt loved to play poker. And my grandfather actually made a set of poker chips for him. And I found a photo of the accommodation that the president wrote for my, for my grandfather. And he held it up and he hung it up in his house in, in Monterey Park. And I found a photo of it. And along with that, I had some memorabilia that was in my dad's briefcase that I found. So most of it I had internally, but I was really fortunate to connect with some of the original movers and shakers in Las Vegas that knew my dad. People like Wayne Newton and Oscar Goodman 
and Michael Gaughan, who told me really cool stories of my father and how his personal relationship was so important to them, how he would call on them at night. He would call on his customers at night because in the old days, all of the big bosses, the casino bosses were there at night to take care of their customers. So he would call on his customers at night and then he would manufacture the equipment during the day. So I was able to connect with quite a few people, including Meyer Lansky II, who told me some really, really cool stories. So most of the research came from either what I had or people that I spoke to and some of the sources online I had to get specific information because I talk about the very first chips that were ever ever used. They used pieces of cloth. They used rocks. They used all kinds of things in the old day, old days as chips. And I wanted to give a history of how chips were started, how dice were started, and playing cards. And that's all in my book. As much as it is a history of my father, it's a history of these products mm -hmm. that he brought to Las Vegas. When you started interviewing some of these old timers, did you just take notes or did you record some audio so you would have a better recollection? Most of it I, I put on my phone. You know, nowadays we get to use our, our phones to record. I was able, Meyer Lansky was, was showing me some of his grandfather's letters that were really, really cool when he was partners with Bugsy Siegel at the Flamingo. And um, I, I, that's when I got the story of how the Flamingo came to have a name, the Flamingo. It was named after Bugsy Siegel's girlfriend's legs that were very <laughs> thin like a flamingo. So he named the Flamingo after that. And I said, that's, you know, really interesting. Can you tell me more? And he took me to his restaurant and showed me some really cool history and these old, old first chips that he had, uh, that the casino got when they first opened up the Flamingo. But most of it, you know, I was able to remember most of what I needed to because I didn't want my book to be about the mob. There's many books about the mob. There's books about Howard Hughes. What I wanted, though, was to show the transition of Las Vegas from its, what I want to call its evolution. When it started with Sin City, I had information on that. Then Las Vegas converted to family destination. Well, I was involved with that. I used to go to the MGM theme park and I used to go to Circus Circus. Then it, mm -hmm. Las Vegas evolved from family destination to luxury accommodations like the Aria and Wynn. And I show, you know, all the transition from to where it's at today, which is, you know, a real happening place and a sports entertainment capital. So most of it, I, I was I was able I lived it. I, I, I grew up in Las Vegas. I saw the Beatles when they came to the convention center for the first time. My mother took me. My father hated the Beatles. I don't use that word, but he couldn't stand them. My, 
My father was invited to Elvis Presley's wedding at the Aladdin Hotel, and he didn't go because he was too busy working. For him, work came first. And um, my father was very, very good to me, very kind to me, but I didn't see a lot of him when I was growing up because he was, you know, so developing his business was very important. And his relationship with people like, you know, Bob Mayhew and people like, you know, the, the, the movers and shakers in Las Vegas, Steve Wynn and Jackie Gone. And I know I'm going to forget somebody, but those relationships were very important to him as he sold the equipment. And that's why I wrote the book, because there were still some people in Las Vegas that called him Mr. Paulson. And, <laughs> he didn't, he didn't, and I, one of the guys, is, to be honest with you, is Donald Trump. I don't want to talk a lot about that, but I've got a whole chapter about a casino owner in Atlantic City becomes our <laughs> 42nd president. Uh, but he liked to call my dad Mr. Paulson. And my father, he had a temper, okay? But he didn't like that. He wanted to be known by Paul Indy. Paulson was the company, and I wanted to make sure that people remember him by his name and not by the world's most popular casino chip, and that's the Paulson Casino. We call it a clay chip. It's not really clay, but it's it's got about 12 different materials in it when you make the chip. But everybody used to call him, a lot of people used to call him Mr. Paulson, even <laughs> though, you know, he was right out there all the time sure. with some of his favorite people. He was responsible, among other things, the security enhanced poker chips, right? He was, you know... One of the things he did that I thought was was really cool is he went first to the casino owners and said, I'm not going to make your chips different colors, unlike the competition. If you want a black hundred, a $100 chip, it's going to be black. If you want a $5 chip, it's going to be red. Because you had people that were making, let's say, green $25 chips. And they would stick them in a stack of chips. And in the old days, they were a little, you know, less lenient about counting them down. And you'd pay a guy a hundred dollars for a for a twenty-five dollar chip. My dad never thought that was fair. So he was the first one to standardize the colors. When we went to Atlantic City, he demanded that the Atlantic City Gaming Commission standardize the colors and require a highest amount of security in the chips to protect the integrity. Integrity was very, very important to my father. Was that why he was so respected in the industry? I think so. Not only that, because I bring up a couple different instances in my book where certain casino owners would order something and they would make a mistake or they didn't order enough of the chips or they didn't get a what we call a backup rack. All the casinos have not only the $100 chips that are, you see on the table, but they have another set in the back. And my father convinced them they always had to protect their chips and have a backup set of chips in case they got counterfeited. And there, there were instances of counterfeiting. I'll tell you one real quick example. The sure. reason they respected him. There was a counterfeit 
issue, I remember, at the Dunes Hotel. And my father hired Jerry West, who worked for the FBI, to go to China and shut down the company that was making those counterfeit chips. And he did. And the company in China didn't realize, they said, that they were <laughs> counterfeit chips. They were just being ordered. They were making them like the customer wanted. Well, the company was out of business the next day. Amazing. So my dad did everything he could to protect what he believed the casinos. He called them, they're, they're really the banks. They're, you know, the, the casino's currency has to be protected just like they're a bank. And it was very, very important to him. And he constantly thought of different ways of securing the chips. When I took the company public and when my father passed, I continued the security by forming a partnership for RFID. And we were the first company to instill RFID tracking devices in the chips. So the casinos knew exactly where their chips were at all times, that they could read them at the tables and eventually use the chips also for marketing so that they could keep track of their players and give them comps. Uh, we were the first chip company that did that and had the exclusive patent for RFID in a casino chip. That's yeah, pretty impressive. When you were researching the book, what was the most surprising thing you found out about your father? Mm, or maybe two things. What, there were a couple of things. The, the first one, which I thought was really cool, is he was friends with Kirk Kikorian when he built the International. The International Hotel was the first hotel off the strip where Elvis Presley performed, Barbara Streisand performed. It became the Las Vegas Hilton. Then it became the LVI. It's now the Westgate. My father, um, in his later years, liked playing golf, and he felt golf was important to keep his customers happy and to conduct business. And my father was the only, uh, and I want to kind of be careful the way I say this, my father was the only non-Jew that was admitted to the Las Vegas Country Club by Kirk Kikorian. He told the directors of the, of, the, um, of the Las Vegas Country Club that my father had to be a member of the club, and he was admitted. So I thought that was really cool. I found a letter where he demanded that my father be accepted into the Las Vegas Country Club. I thought that was neat. There's a really cool story in my book about Resorts International. Resorts International was the first casino open in Atlantic City. It had an exclusive license for one year to be the only casino. And my father got a call from Merv Griffin, who was a wonderful guy. And my father had a fear of flying. So I drove with him wow. all the way <laughs> to Atlantic City to meet Merv Griffin and deal with his problem. We also met with Donald Trump while we were there on another issue. But when we got to the casino, Merv Griffin was very perplexed because 
the casino chairs were falling apart in the casino and he was shocked and didn't understand why. And my father said, that's impossible. They have a 10 year guarantee. How can they be falling apart? Well, the minute my father walked in the casino, he knew what the problem was. And he said to Merv Griffin, he said, he said, do you want me to tell you what it is now? Or do you have a lab on board and we can take a sample from the chair? What ended up happening was is, is resorts would not let casino patrons excuse themselves from gambling and use the restroom. I see where this and is going, yes. I you, see where this is know, going, yes. You know where this is the, going. The right? acid is, is weakening the chair. It, they were urinating <laughs> on the chair. But Mer Merv Griffin, being the, the man that he was and the man with integrity, said, I made a mistake and ordered those chairs with cloth. I should have ordered leather like you told me to, Paul. And he reordered chairs for the entire casino after that incident. So <laughs> that was kind of the one that rang to me most about, you know, my dad's relationship and how, you know, he took care of his customers. But you would think that Merv Griffin, being a man of principle, would let his customers leave the table to go to the restroom. Well, here was the problem. They had a, what do, what do I want to call it, a fire restriction in the casino. So there was a line down the boardwalk of people just waiting to get in. Amazing. And they had to put a, you know, restriction on the number of people. And, and people were just, you know, putting their hands all over the tables to make bets. And when people got yeah. up from the table, you know, you just lost your spot. They would, they couldn't hold your place. There were too many people, too many bets. So Crazy. I, I think eventually <laughs> they changed their policy, but that was like a brand new one for, for the industry. That's that nice. one uh, I thought was a really, really, and I've got all these really, really cool stories about some of these things. One particular thing in the book is when I delivered a Pac-Man machine from the Sands Hotel to Wayne Newton's daughter for her birthday. <laughs> and that was a really cool story. So I not only talk about, you know, the chip business and my father, but some of the really cool stories and things that transpired like Elvis Presley's group coming to our office to film part of Viva Las Vegas. You know, the number of, of James Bond movies that were filmed in and around Las Vegas and how we were involved. And um, the movie Casino, and we made the chips for them. And I've got some really, really kind of cool stories, not just about the gaming industry, but how important the gaming industry is to the entertainment industry as well. And it's clear that you love Las Vegas as well. Before I let you go, I want to talk about your appearance at the Casino Collectibles Association's 30th annual Casino Chip and Collectibles Show, which is at the South Point, June 15th through the 17th. It's open to the public. And you're going to be sharing some of your stories, as I mentioned. How did you get involved with them? And has it been an ongoing relationship or is this your first time there? Well, first of all, I'm very honored that I'm the VIP speaker, and the only speaker for their event, for uh, an exclusive dinner that they're having. Um, so they put their all their chips in with you. 
<laughs> they put their chips in with me, and I'm going to give a chip to everybody that's attending the dinner. We at Paulson have always supported chip collectors. It's really cool that over the years we've made chips for Frank Sinatra. They still commemorate Frank Sinatra's birthday at Foxwoods Casinos. Every year on his birthday, they bring out a set of special Frank Sinatra chips made by Paulson with the, his year he was born. We did Mike Tyson fight chips. We did, you know, every rock and roll singer you can imagine, Tony Bennett, all the, the rock legends. And what was really cool about the chip collector organizations is they kind of pushed you know, this this phenomena that these chips are going to appear. So they would race out to casinos and buy them. For example, think about this. We would sell a chip for, let's say, a dollar to the MGM, and the Mike Tyson fight chip was $25. Those chips would disappear within just a week or two of the fight. So every time the casino... Every time the patron, excuse me, would take a $25 chip, the casino would make $24. Right. So it was a win-win for the casino, and these chip collectors would just scurry around. The latest is the horseshoe, which was MGM, the original MGM, which then was Bally's, and it's now called the Horseshoe Las Vegas. And my understanding is many of those horseshoe chips are gone already because the chip collectors have gone out. There was one chip we made for the Mermaid Casino, downtown Las Vegas. It was a $5 chip. It was one of the first kind of interesting casino in downtown Las Vegas. That chip commands over $3,000 um, as a chip collector. Yeah. Now, some are a lot less. I've even seen Paulson chips. I've seen my dad's chip out there selling. Uh, so the chip collectors have helped the casinos, you know, make more money. And they've also fueled the fact that, you know, collecting chips for casinos is cool, you know. So I've had, I've always had a good, I had a good relationship with chip collectors. And uh, when my book came out, I'm a self-published publisher. So unfortunately, even though Penguin said to me they love the book, they want the book, they love to do it. Eric, how many books have you written? I said, well, I have a master's <laughs> degree. I, I, I wrote a thesis. I wrote, you know, a number of uh, paper. How many books have you written? One. Sorry, we don't want your book, even though they loved it. So the chip collectors and others have really, I think, helped buy the book even though I did not do the book for the money. I did it for my dad's legacy. Right. And what I'm even more excited about is I've hired producers and we are in the process. I've, I just got back from Atlanta, Georgia, and I saw the mini series beginning of the script about our book, which will be a mini series, hopefully within a year. So, when I got the invitation from the chip collectors convention, I was very honored. And they said I could sell my book, even though I'm not into selling books. I could sell my book at the convention. But I'm just really happy that they've asked me 
because I'm in the in the presence of people like Steve Wynn, Michael Gaughan, Jan Jones. I mean, there have been some very powerful speakers at their conventions. So I'm honored that they've asked me to speak. I'm not 100% sure what I'm going to what I'm going to say yet, <laughs> but um, I really am not doing this again to sell the book. I'm doing it for my father's legacy. Well, that's a great way to end it. My guest has been Eric P. Endy, author of Paul S. Endy Jr., Las Vegas Casino Gaming Legend. The book is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all the usual places. And for everything about Mr. Endy, go to legendendy.vegas. And Eric, as we mentioned, will be at the Casino Collectibles Association's 30th Annual Casino Chip and Collectibles Show at the South Point. June 15th through the 17th, to share his stories of the company, casino customers, and historical gaming figures. And for more information about the show, go to ccgtcc.com. And Eric, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me, Ira. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Yeah.